folks, and welcome to Christ in Every Word, a podcast of the Concordia Bible Institute housed on the beautiful campus of Concordia University, Wisconsin. This is your opportunity to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the sacred scriptures with me, Dr. Brian German, Associate Professor of Theology here at the University and the Director of the Concordia Bible Institute. Believe it or not, we have reached that time, Revelation 22, the last chapter of the last book of the New Testament, last book of the Bible. Here we are, so uh, let's not louse it up, okay? Uh, the first, actually the first couple of verses of this go well with what we talked about last time, and then it's really kind of the culmination of Revelation. But nonetheless, we'll get into that soon enough. But Revelation chapter 22, John's going to see this river of life. And then we have a series of testimonies, uh, sayings. What would you call them? We're going to get into this. Jesus saying, I'm coming soon and so on. Some would say this is kind of hodgepodge, kind of a weird ending to Revelation. But I'm going to try and make some sense uh, of this too, especially how this, even this, and especially this, is still very much grounded in the life of the church throughout the ages. So uh, that's the the focus here. If you forget everything, this ending really keeps it grounded in what we're doing right now, even as this ending feels like such a way down the road kind of ending at the same time. So here we go. The text of Revelation chapter 22 reads as follows. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what, what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. For the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come. 
And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without payment. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. All righty. So there we have the text of Revelation chapter 22. I think I mentioned the first five verses of this really belong with the previous chapter, John's vision of the new Jerusalem. It's just kind of how these, you know, English chapters kind of came into the Bible much later, 11th, 12th century. Um, you know, you get these original manuscripts who wouldn't have that sharp division. And sometimes when we, we see the English division, it's not exactly as, maybe as crisp as it could be in hindsight. But nonetheless, um, the first five verses kind of belong with the previous chapter. That's this vision of the river of life. Uh, in Revelation, we have a lot of focus on water. There's really only two kinds. I think we've talked about this enough. The springs of living water, or there's the, the chaos of the seas of destruction, the sea of the beast, the waters of, um, of death. And uh, here we have this vision of the river of the water of life, brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. This totally brings us back to chapters 4 and 5. I think this is um, this is very baptismal. This crystal is only mentioned in verse in chapter four earlier. God's throne, this um, crystal-like, where this again, God's throne. Chapter four. Guess where the water is? Right where the spirit is. This is very baptismal language, and I think even this language of going forth or going out, flowing from in English, but literally in Greek, this going forth or going out of is exactly the way that Jesus spoke of the Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit and the water going forth. Um, if anyone thirsts, come after me. Um, living fountains, uh, springs, living water flowing forth. So this language in this first verse, this raw water, river, crystal flowing forth, this has spirit and water written all over it, going from the throne and from the Lamb. So I see this as a very Trinitarian, very baptismal verse. You have this reference to going from the throne of God and the Lamb, going forth, water, crystal, spirit, and so on. Ezekiel 47 language comes to mind here, too. Um, we're going to see that kind of throughout. Leaves for the healing of the nations, as mentioned in Ezekiel uh, 47. So anyway, very baptismal, very Trinitarian start that reality is available to us already right here, right now. The tree of life, the river of life, we're going to have a tree of life. I think this is one way of grounding this end times heavenly reality already right here. You participate of the river of water of life when you're baptized into the name of the one who's on the throne, the Father and the Lamb and the one going forth from them, the Holy Spirit. This also, by the way, is is in total fulfillment of uh, what 
was said to the seven churches earlier in Revelation. This is maybe, I, you can bring this point in whenever you want. But that is, uh, so for example, the so you get the tree of life. In the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit in each month. The leaves of uh, the tree are for the healing of the nations. This is promised earlier to the seven churches that, for example, chapter 2, you're going to eat or partake of the tree of life. Well, here at the end of Revelation, you see the fulfillment of that. And so there's kind of a, you know, you see this, God makes his promises. We live by those promises. And at the end of Revelation, you get all these indications that he's good to his word. He's batting a thousand when it comes to what he has said. And so believe what he has promised you. He will fulfill that. You see that here with uh, with the tree of life. I love the emphasis here on the, I mean, you, you got to think of it this way. You have the water, right? The river. We talked baptismal and so on. You have the water, but you also have the food. The tree of life, um, the heal, the leaves are for the healings of the of the nations. There is this kind of what um, therapeutic. I mean, literally, I'm looking at it in the Greek here, therapion, therapeutic element to this tree of life. There's some sort of consumption of what's hap of what's coming from this tree of life, and uh, you know, the tree of it's no. It's no coincidence, I think, that uh, the history of interpretation when it comes to this tree of life, they associate it with the cross. So the just as the tree of life in the Garden of Eden had fruit, well, we have a tree of life, the fruits of which are for the healing of God's people throughout the church of all times and places. We right here, right now, throughout the wilderness of this world, have the water and the food for our pilgrimage, as it were. So this tree of life, again, it sounds like, oh, what a beautiful picture of the end times. And yet, wait a minute, tree of life, we have a tree for our healing, fruit that can be consumed, bread, wine, body, blood, already right here, right now, water and food for healing. We have that. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. They will reign forever and ever. I love, well, a few things about this. First things first is that this language of uh, name written on the forehead and so on, they're going to serve him. This sounds very baptismal as well. God and the Lamb, name written on the forehead, sounds like Revelation 14, this 144,000 name of the of the Lamb and his Father written on their foreheads. This is a baptismal group. This is also a very priestly group. Priestly, a kingdom of priests, Revelation introduces us as in chapter 1, a kingdom of priests. I love the language, too, in... Um, Oh, by the way, you see these clever, like he does this. I talked about this before where you have the throne of God and the lamb. Whose throne is it? It's God's throne, but then all of a sudden the lamb's on it. And I love how John always does this plural and singular thing. The throne of God and of the lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Well, who's that, God or the lamb? They'll worship him. Um, He doesn't say they'll worship them. And so on the one hand, it's like, 
how many are on the throne, there seems to be more than one, God and the Lamb. That's two. And yet, the very next clause, his servants will worship him, right? Uh, his name. Who? God or the Lamb? His name will be on their foreheads. Did you catch that? All right, anyway. So you have the single plural thing, which I love, this kind of this uh, emphasis on the the oneness of the triune God. But also this word for serving is letrus, and this, um, it's, it's like a liturgical kind of service, you might say. We saw this in chapter 7. It's a liturgy of sorts. It's a very priestly group. And this liturgy is happening, I guess the big point here, already right here, right now, in the church of all times and places. So again, verse 1, 2, 3, again and again, as John depicts this heavenly reality, the language resonates with, with the reality that's in the church happening right here, right now. When we're baptized, when we have this kingdom of priests serving God in his temple, They'll see his face. Night will be no more. Um, this language also was, I guess the last point here for these first five verses, that this was also used in uh, the language here similar to chapter 7, which is this washing the robes and coming out of the great tribulation, washing the blood of the Lamb, this kind of Eucharistic Lord's Supper baptismal reality that we talked about earlier. This is the same sort of thing where, Wait a minute, why is the language of Revelation 22 starting out here in ways that are sounds like chapter 7? Well, it's to ground all this heavenly stuff on earth. His servants will worship him, uh, the name on the forehead, and so on. This is just, there's a lot of earlier language in Revelation that's just, wait a minute, this is already happening right now, even though this language is used here in this kind of heavenly end times reality as well. Night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. They will reign forever and ever. This We heard a lot of this, this verse 5 language is in the previous chapter. We've kind of heard this at the end of 21. The city doesn't have any sun or moon to shine out. That's because the one who is the light of the world will be shining upon them. They will reign with him again. This language again of verse 5, they'll reign with him. Well, that reign is already a present tense thing. We reign with him already right now by being baptized, partaking of word and sacrament. So great stuff here in the beginning of this chapter. We're going to have to take a quick break already, but that's a nice uh, breaking point uh, before we get into the so-called epilogue. Lots more to say coming real soon. We'll be back in just a moment to the Concordia Bible Institute podcast. In the meantime, I'd like to have you consider this question. What is most important in higher education? How do you prioritize all the knowledge to be gained at an institution of higher learning? Concordia University, Wisconsin, located on the shores of Lake Michigan in Mequon, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee, is an institution that is committed to excellence in learning, but at the same time realizes that excellence in itself is insufficient without development in vocation. We believe that God works through our vocations, our callings, in order to serve the needs of those around us. The mission statement of Concordia University puts it this way, Concordia University, Wisconsin is a Lutheran higher education community committed to helping students develop in mind, body, and spirit for service to Christ in the church and the world. You can learn more about the over 70 programs offered at Concordia by visiting the website, www.cuw.edu. And if you're benefiting from 
our Christ in Every Word podcast, I encourage you to support this ministry by mentioning it to others and by offering your monetary support. Please consider supporting the Concordia Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on the Contribute page. And now, back to the podcast. Alrighty there, folks. We are back with our study of Revelation chapter 22. We are at the end of the end of the end of the end of the end. And verse 6 kind of starts us in a new sort of place, discourse, and so on. We have a series of what some have called just sort of like random or disparate sayings. Um, They might seem a little disjointed, I suppose, at first, but uh, let me just kind of walk through here and then summarize the significance of this. So first things first, he said to me, who is this? Like, he said to me, who is this? Um, these words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Okay, first things first, it sounds a lot like um, the language of chapter 1, the prologue, the introduction, the title of the whole book. Um, verse 7, Behold, I am coming soon, blesses one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. It sounds like what John was commissioned to do. So a couple things. Why might that be important? Well, first thing is uh, this book from beginning to end is not just for John. It's for, uh, it goes through John, certainly, but it's for the sake of his servant. So John is a servant, but then it goes to his servants. It goes for the sake of the church. Um, second thing is, you know, that prologue, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And so I think this heavenly business of the end of revelation, this chapter 22, heavenly vision and so on, uh, to use the language of the prologue to go back to this in the spirit on the Lord's day is to show that this is already grounded. I think it's, there's an initial fulfillment of this already in the Lord's supper in the word and sacrament and so on. I'm going to say more about that soon. Um, I think another thing that's really fascinating here is that when you hear the language of the words of the, um, the God of the spirit of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place in the prologue, in the very first verse of revelation, that was the role of Christ where it says the angel here, that was the role of Christ in the first verse. Okay? I just want to kind of lodge that here and have you kind of think about that. The God, the Spirit of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants. Now, who's the angel? Is that Christ? Is that John? It just says that he sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. That's what, I mean, where did John get it from? Through Christ. Now, was it the angel of Christ? Is John angelic? You know, there's kind of like a a little uh, ambiguity here, you might say. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But that's, okay, that's verse 6. Behold, I am coming soon. I love this language of I am coming. There's seven times in the book of Revelation where you get this word, I am coming. I just love the, it's a masterpiece. Revelation is a masterpiece. 
Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. That was all. This is all repeated from the from the prologue, verse three. The blessed is the one who keeps uh, the words of the prophecy. If we have that language there too. Now we have I, John, the one who heard and saw these things. Notice how I love how hearing is first. John is the church. In Revelation, ask yourself in what ways, as you read it through it, in what ways is John the church? Here, John is the church in that he first, notice how hearing is mentioned first. I love this. Hearing before seeing. Now we see dimly, but we will fully one day. Hearing before seeing is the life of the church. John uh, is the church in that God gives us promises. We hear them, but we don't see the reality, full extent of the thing. First, we hear first. So also John here, and he saw, uh, heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, again, the emphasis, the order of operation there, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. Now we have this angel talk again. Okay. Now here, it's clearly angel, angel. Like, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you, verse 9. With you and your brothers, the prophets, with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. Now, we had an instance of this already in chapter 19. I made the case back there, and I'll make it again, um, that I think this is referring to kind of in-house worship. The things of the Lord are so magnificent, so grandiose, that we got to be careful that we don't start getting too caught up in worshiping uh, let's say, in-house realities. We don't worship the man, we worship God, right? The man in the stead and by the command, right? I love this pastor so much. This pastor, I follow this pastor. Will you follow that pastor? Whoa, 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 whoa. We worship God, right? Or we do the liturgy this way, you do the liturgy that way, and we this, and this is what we do, and all that. Wait a minute, we're worshiping God here, whatever we uh, do in the liturgy, um, we don't worship candles, right? We don't worship the man under the, the alb and stole, right? We don't worship the saints who have gone before us. We don't worship Mary. You know, you can kind of go down the list of times in the church where it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We worship God. We don't worship angels. They're amazing, and we thank God for them, but we don't worship them, right? And this is the kind of thing that John falls into. I think this is also, I don't think it's, I mean, just in, kind of uh, insignificant or coincidental that it's in the context of like the tree of life and the word and so on, word and sacrament, God's gifts. I think this is a a kind of warning to the church of all times and places that you got to be careful that, that even in the midst of very good and pious and holy things, worship can be misplaced. All right. So, um, he says, worship God and said, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near, which is kind of fascinating. In Daniel, Daniel gets the vision and it's seal it up. And this is the opposite. Do not seal this up. I love the language of seal, by the way. It takes us back to chapter five and go figure what was sealed there. The book. But now it's this book, like the book of Revelation. And my thought here is that chapter 5 with that lamb opening up the seals. Remember, everybody was crying. John's crying. Everybody's worried. Who can open up that scroll, the book? And then it's only the lamb who can unseal it. 
do not seal the words of this book. I think what's what might be happening here is Revelation chapter 5 with the Lamb opening up the book is exactly what the Lamb does as he opens up this book, that is Revelation, throughout the church of all times and places. The language of sealing brings us back to that chapter, this book, only it's it's Revelation. It's Revelation. It's not just in chapter 5, it's not just some weird kind of, what is that? I mean, I, I talked about it as the word of the Lord, kind of just kept it at that. But you get to the end, and it's like, oh my goodness. That whole visionary experience that John had, that's also what, That's also what the Lamb does through this book, as in the book of Revelation. This book, chapter 5, chapter 10, take, eat, this book, right? So the ending, I think, grounds the earlier language of book in the life of the church. This is what the church is doing right now. The book of Revelation, the book of God's words being opened up. The book, take and eat. The scroll made flesh, chapter 10. This helps us to be like, whoa, that's going on right now. Um, Let the one, this is kind of odd, let the evildoer still do evil, the filthy still be filthy, let the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. I think this is a, not, it's it kind of sounds odd, right? Somebody like, is God encouraging evil? Does he like evil and all this? No, I think the point is let there be the distinction, let the let there be a distinction between what is righteous and what is unrighteous. Literally, the words here, unrighteous and righteous. Um, let that be marked. Um, I'll say more about that real soon. Um, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, uh, the beginning and the end in the first chapter that language of first and last beginning and the end alpha omega you look back in chapter 1 verse 8 that sounds like it's coming from the one i'm the alpha and the omega says the lord god he who is and who was and who is to come the almighty that sounds like god the father well notice the language here christ is saying i am the alpha and the omega the first and the last the beginning and the end I'm coming quickly. So there is this reminder, like, this thing is so awesome. It's like the end of Isaiah. There, These things are so grandiose. You could just say, well, it's so awesome. Everything's just whatever. But these things can be rejected. These things can be taken advantage of. These things can be treated so lightly that it, it does have consequences. Like, the Lord cares very much about how his things are treated. And if you just say, well, this is nothing. Well, like the end of Isaiah, the very last verse, they're going to go out and look in, on the recompense, on the vengeance of the Lord for that. Um, I think what's happening here, uh, when you get this, blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. I think this is absolutely a reference to, and then even this outside the dogs and sorcerers, verse 15 Sexually immoral, immoral and uh, murderers, idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I think this is a reference to the sacraments. I think this grounds the book of Revelation again in the word and sacrament. The ones washing, that word only occurs in chapter 7, washing the robes in the blood of the Lamb. Robes are mentioned several times in chapter 7. Blessed are the ones who are washing their robes. In the blood of the Lamb. Earlier we had the Word. 
the prophecy of this book. Here we have this robe that's very baptismal, and then we have this washing, tree of life, eating in order that they would have the authority, um, the right to the tree of life, consuming what is for the healing. I think this is word, baptism, the Lord's Supper, all together. I think this last part of Revelation grounds the whole book in the liturgy, the divine service of the church throughout the ages, entering by the gate. We talked about this in the city. This is no different than Hebrews 12. You've come to the heavenly Zion, as in in the Lord's Supper, you are at this this heavenly Zion on earth right now. You have come to this angels, this heavenly Zion, this angels of, how does it go? Let's see, Hebrews 12 uh, puts it this way. You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels and festal gathering. I take that and many others to the sacrament, a reference to the sacrament. That's the language here. That's also how I understand. And the gates, like the apostles, the foundation is Christ, and the gates that comes to the apostles, the prophets, the preaching of the word. We saw that in chapter 21. You can listen to that podcast. I think all of this, even the dogs, I mean, this is, it sounds harsh, but it's no different than our Lord when he says, don't take what is holy and throw it to the, to the dogs. I think this language of, of the word, the robes and the eating of the tree of life and the dogs and the let the righteous be righteous, let the unrighteous be unrighteous. I think that's close communion. I do. I think that's totally a reference to let the unrighteous be, let the distinction be made. And let the reality of God's vengeance stand for those who despise this. And let the forgiveness just pour for those who confess it uh, and desire to eat of the tree of life and so on, enter the city. This is all the reality of, of the nature of our Lord's gifts, what they are and what they, how they ought not be taken. Okay, last things last. I, Jesus, have sent my angel. This is very unique, this language of I, Jesus, have sent my angel uh, to testify to you about these things to the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. I think this is a huge moment also. I think this is like who I've sent my angel. Who is that? My angel to John. Now it's my angel, is that John himself? I thought Jesus was in a sense angelic in the sense of being a messenger to John. Oh, Jesus send, Does Jesus have any? I have sent my angel to bear witness to you, plural, the things for the churches, plural. This book is for the churches. This book is for the you, plural, not just John. And I think what's happening here in verse 16 is that this angel, I have sent my angel, it's intentionally ambiguous to refer to all those in the office of the holy ministry. I think this is this is Jesus now saying to you churches of all times and places you will have an angel a messenger as well to bear witness to you about these things. John served that role as my angel as it were and I have sent my angel to testify to you. And in response of that, like in the stead and by the command of my Lord, I've been sent 
to preach these things. This reveals who the scroll opener is of Revelation as that word of this book goes forth. The Spirit and the Bride, the Church, God's people of all ages say, Come, let the one who hears, as in, let the one who has been grafted into this, who has heard this word and believes it, let that one say, Come as well. There is still time. Let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Don't, and then the section about don't add or don't subtract, this is the covenant that our Lord has made. This language of don't add, don't subtract, you see it without throughout Deuteronomy a lot in regards to the covenant. Don't add from this covenant, don't subtract from this covenant, only with Revelation now we have the new covenant, the blood of the new covenant, and the book that has sealed it up, as it were, in Revelation um, the book of the New Testament, you could say, the book that sealed this new covenant. Don't add, don't subtract to the things of the Lord in the life of the church. We have the word, we talked about, we have the water, we have the robes, the tree, we have the blood. Don't add or subtract to these things. This is my covenant with you. This you have already right now. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And I think this is, this is come, Lord Jesus, as in come right now in this Eucharist, in this Lord's Supper. Revelation being read in the context of the divine service. The people say, come. The Spirit says, come. The one who hears was grafted in and and convinced and uh, confessing the faith by means of that spirit says, Come, come, Lord Jesus, and he does come. He comes uh, not only in the Lord's Supper that would be celebrated, he comes again in the preached word, again and again. He comes in his sacraments, and he will come again soon to judge the living and the dead. The grace of the Lord Jesus, in the meantime, be with all. This emphasis on God's desire that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. Yea, yea, it shall be so. What a book. Fascinating ending. How it grounds everything in the life of the church, even as the church looks forward to the final consummation of all those very things. Whoa. The mission of the Concordia Bible Institute is to provide Christ-centered Bible instruction from distinguished experts who teach Christ in every word of the Old and New Testaments to strengthen faith and spread belief in the one true God. If you benefit from this podcast series, I encourage you to consider supporting us by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on our Contribute page. Spread the word. We'll start up some new uh, podcast series very soon. Until next time, my friends, what a pleasure studying Revelation with you. More Christ-centered Bible instruction coming your way soon. Until next time, I'm Dr. Brian German, wishing you all God's blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.